Welcome to Elevate. My name is Ellie Stiles, intuitive channeler, yoga instructor, and holistic wellness enthusiast. I am bringing you conversations to help guide you towards better ways of thinking, feeling, and doing. If you push play today, know that you are in the right place at the right time and there are messages for you. I am so grateful that you're here and I'm so excited for you to listen to this conversation. Let's begin. Welcome back to Elevate. How are you? How are you feeling? How's your day? How's your week? Check in with yourself. Maybe even pause this. Put a hand over your heart, hand over your belly. And just take a few inhales, a few exhales. Just letting it all go. Letting any weight come off of your shoulders. I'm glad that you found this space and know that whatever space you're in today is okay. I'm here to support you. I'm rooting you on, sending you love wherever you are. Today's episode is is key. It's it's really an important discussion and it's it's all about the subconscious mind and we have the beautiful Gabby Marchese on. She is a Psychic K facilitator, Ayurvedic educator, writer, and meditation teacher. In this episode, we discuss how to reprogram your subconscious mind with Psychic K, the impact of beliefs programmed in childhood, feel better tools versus get better tools, our attachment to struggle, Ayurvedic practices to support your nervous system, and so much more. Gab shares so much of her innate wisdom and passion around the subconscious. And if you are trying to heal anything, anything at all, it starts with the subconscious. So if you've been looking for an answer, there it is. (laughs) So continue to listen to the episode. We dive into how to reprogram and you'll get all the answers that you need and hopefully some clarity on how to move forward if you're stuck in constant patterns of the same thinking, the same feeling, and the same results, and you feel like you're moving in circles. Um, this is for you. And it's also for you if you have struggled with mental illness or if you are struggling with that. And really the power that we have to create change in our life. And being someone that struggled with with mental illness for a very long time, I did not believe that I had the power to change. I mean, for the longest time, I believed that I was going to be depressed and suicidal for the rest of my life and that I could just learn how to cope and I could learn how to manage it, but that it would never really go away. And I talk about in the podcast kind of my turning point in and when I discovered that I had the power to change. And I believe in your capacity to do the same. I believe in your potential. I believe in your capability to shift out of a story that's no longer serving you. I'm rooting you on and I'm supporting you and I have hope and I have no doubts that if you're listening to this and you are looking to create change that you will and I hope you believe in yourself and I hope that you know it's possible 
And I hope that in today's episode and in other episodes on Elevate that you feel that hope and that you start to create more confidence within that you can create anything that you want. And I want that for you and I'm cheering you on. (laughs) Um, But yeah, sit back, enjoy. And uh, any feedback's always greatly appreciated. I'm a rookie podcast girl, so anything that you would like to see more of I'm happy to provide and I'm just grateful that you're here and we'll see you on the next one but enjoy hi Gab welcome to Elevate hello happy to be here I'm so happy that you're here I'm so grateful and I can't wait to dive into the subconscious today and healing and so much more um Gab and I talked for like four hours last night so we should have just probably recorded recorded that (laughs) yeah (laughs) so here's to another four hours yeah there we go (laughs) um so I know many of us all of us in our lifetime experience thought patterns and loops and oftentimes we start to identify with those ways of being and we hear I am this way because of my mom or my dad or I am this way because of an ex or a traumatic experience and the idea behind that is really just that there's conditioning and that there's a subconscious belief backing that habit or that thought pattern And that it's driving a response in the body. And so in order to create change, in order to create lasting shifts, we need to alter the subconscious. Yes. And so the big question is, how do we do that? How do we do that? So there are lots, there are a few different modalities um, that you can do that create change on a subconscious level, but there are far and few. And I think that that's important to note because I think there's Mm. a lot out there that claims like heal on a subconscious level and it's just simply not getting to the subconscious. And a lot of those modalities are really beautiful and can really aid in healing and feeling good and feeling better. But I think it's important to note that there are really few modalities that actually tap into that subconscious level, that 95% of our consciousness that's really running our attitudes, our perception of the world. It's really our hardware that we're running on. And everything from our first roughly seven years of life is stored in this. It's our programming and everything that we pick up because... As children, we're little sponges, and for the first parts of our lives, we're in a theta state, and we're really in this hypnotic state, and we're just absorbing the world around us. We're learning how to act, how it's appropriate to act, what we should believe, how we should feel, everything. And that creates the programming for our lives. So we're always running on this. So if the programming that you picked up from ages zero to seven aren't serving the way that you want to feel or the way that you want to be or show up or the life that you're trying to create, you need to change it. And that's where Psyche comes in. Psyche is a process that allows you to create new belief systems and remove trauma and stress from the nervous system by directly targeting either stressful events or trauma. 
And by using this process, you can clear that from the system and you can directly program new beliefs that serve the kind of life that you want and what you want to create for yourself. Can you give a few examples of trauma that we experience in our childhood that may not be your your typical trauma that we think of, like a right. really dramatic, intense event? Because trauma is so much more than what we see on the outside and it's so much more than one single event as well so can you just kind of cover a little bit of ground on on different examples of trauma totally yeah there are there's trauma with the big t there's you know the bigger examples like an accident a death um abuse so those Mm -hmm. are as you were saying the more obvious forms of trauma but then there are the little minute and micro traumas that happen to all of us especially early on in life and this can be something as simple as being left out in school or hearing your mom say something about her her body negatively or being criticized for your grades or you know things like that that kind of messaging where you you feel shame or you feel guilt or you feel like you're bad or anything that kind of spikes your nervous system so I mean we live we live in a life where that's happening a lot that's happening all the time and when that's happening in early years of your life you're picking up that messaging so you know if you're left out in a game at school your little self doesn't know you know it can't make sense of like okay, we're, you know, we're in elementary school and this just happens and kids can be awful and whatever, you take it personally. You, yeah. you make it mean something about yourself and you create this maybe abandonment wound within yourself that like, I'm, I'm not lovable or people exclude me. Or if you, you know, you get criticized for your grades or for making little mistakes if you're really critical authority figures Mm -hmm. you internalize in your subconscious that I'm bad if I make a mistake that my worth is tied up with my grades or my academic performance and something else could be you know and this isn't as much a trauma but an example of just picking up on these limiting beliefs like your teacher where you you draw a beautiful picture and you say like I want to be an artist and your art teacher says you know well, this isn't good and you drew outside the lines and you internalize, okay, so I'm bad at art. I'm not, I'm not creative enough to do what I want to do or art isn't a valid career. So there's a lot of different ways that trauma can look and then there's those, you know, not as traumatic, but little instances where we start to pick up those really limiting beliefs and mm-hmm. we continue to loop on those. How do our bodies show us when we are are really embodying one of those limiting beliefs are there physical signs are they more energetic i think both yeah i think everything i think physical pain and physical you know our bodies are constantly they're responding perfectly to what's going on in the Mm -hmm. subconscious and they are our biggest messengers so if you have chronic pain if you have digestive issues especially are really linked to trauma and emotional stress really early on in life Mm. if you you know skin issues anything anything of that nature 
can be trauma or really harmful and limiting beliefs stored in the subconscious mind because the subconscious also is in charge of those automatic responses you know the digestive system our breath our our heartbeat you know all all the things it runs the the parts of the body that we don't have to think about those Mm -hmm. that those autonomic responses and i think especially mental health is huge yeah huge and people I don't think enough people know about getting to who suffer from depression anxiety which is totally an epidemic that's happening today and has been um, especially in the states I don't think enough people are able to link that to trauma especially the smaller traumas you know the traumas where it wasn't a huge abuse but maybe you witnessed a ton of conflict in your family and Maybe, you know, to someone, they don't think of that as trauma, but that can right. be really traumatic to a young child. And I think that, that when that is stored in your subconscious, that can create a lot of mental and emotional issues as well, especially um, limiting beliefs about yourself. If you were shamed by an authority figure, teased by other children, you really start to internalize some very negative programming at a young age about yeah. yourself and who you are. And that can create a lot of mental and emotional distress and physical distress as well. So I think you know when, you know, if you're if you're experiencing a lot of anxiety or depression or going into, those oftentimes are trauma responses and physical feedback as well. So if you're experiencing those things in in whatever capacity, I think it's it's largely due to what is stored in our subconscious. Yeah, I think it's hard to identify those more minute traumas mm-hmm. and those stories that are ingrained in us early on because when you're looking, you know, in from your 20-something or your 30, you know, you're, you're older and you look back, you're seeing, well, I lived a good life. I was fortunate. I was blessed. My parents did the best that they could. And I think recognizing those minute traumas doesn't diminish any of the positives that your authority figures created in your life but I think it's so easy to feel shame around identifying those and understanding where they come from because I think we link blame with that and it's it's not a process of pointing fingers and saying this thing that my mom said you know really created this lasting shift in my head around my body image Mm -hmm. and it's not about you know, pointing your fingers and and getting angry. It's just, it's understanding where that came from so that you can see that it is not yours and that you can change it. But I think it's a really hard process to start going in at because you are seeing the impact that people you innately trusted had around you. And so I think there is, it's, it's a difficult process to move through. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree and I think that we there's a lot of well you a lot of people have it worse type of mentality yeah. around around this kind of a thing and I know I even had internalized that a lot when I was really struggling years ago with feeling a lot of mental and emotional imbalances and I'd be like well I have it so good like I have you know my I have a family I have a home and food on the table and I go to a great school and I have great friends and while all those things were very much true and are very much true Mm -hmm. and 
it didn't diminish any of that. Going back and looking back once I had a better idea of trauma and how that how that stores and, and loops and is always in our nervous system, I totally understand why I was feeling that way. You know, I look back at certain experiences and things that I'd been through, been through leading up to that point. And now having the understanding I do, I'm like, it wasn't about not having it good, but it was about the, you know, the subconscious is always in the present moment. Yeah. So whatever it has stored from those earlier life experiences, your body and your mind are reacting and filtering the world through those experiences as if they're happening to us now. So, Can you give an example of that? Hmm. Yeah, say that you in childhood experienced a big abandonment, a parent left, or it could be a smaller abandonment, like I was using the example of feeling left out on the playground or or friends leaving you or things like that, but it created this belief system and this loop that I'm abandoned and I'm afraid of people leaving. And so present day, fast forward to present day, that's still looping in your subconscious. And a friend maybe, it can be something as simple as maybe a friend doesn't respond in time or someone sets a boundary with you and you go into full fight or flight and you feel like you're being completely abandoned and that you're alone and that the world is caving in. It creates this this trauma response of, because in your mind, you're still that child in your subconscious, you know you're still that child that was abandoned and doesn't feel safe. And so when things happen presently, if that's unaddressed, you react as if you, you know, it's the parent leaving you when someone does something as simple as maybe create some space or doesn't answer or you perceive something they did as like looking at you the wrong way type of thing. And you go into this abandonment response because that's still what's looping. And when our bodies are in a constant state of that fight or flight, that stress response, what is what is the damage being done? I mean, when you when you are in a constant state of fight or flight and your nervous system is jacked, not only does that translate to other physical imbalances, like, you know, you never really go into rest and digest. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of digestive and gut issues that come along with that. Your hormones can't be balanced because of the gut issues, because of the stress. Stress is one of the greatest causes for disease, both physically and mentally. So disease can be caused. All of these different things when you're constantly in that hypervigilant state that trauma can, can cause. And when you're constantly in that state, and you're constantly hypervigilant, feeling like you need to protect yourself, you're never really able to meet your full creative potential. Mm-hmm. And, you know, creative being, you know, that can be literally something creative and tangibly creative, but also the way that we can create a life for ourselves and can relate to other people in, in you know, a meaningful and deep way. Mm-hmm. And we, we start to make decisions from this place of hypervigilance from this place of like well i need i need to be safe i don't feel safe so i need to seek safety and it 
that can lead us making decisions that aren't good for ourselves, aren't good for our health, mentally, physically, all sorts of things. Yeah, very limiting space. So using the example of the abandonment story, will you just walk us through the Psych K process and how you take that subconscious belief and and how you start to create change for somebody? Yeah, definitely. So in the process of Psych K, there's two different things that we can do. And we can create a new belief so that can, you know, be an I statement, like I love and accept myself, or I am safe, I am safe in relationships, I am safe to be myself around other people, I'm safe to be seen. The list goes on and on, but you can create those I statements, or you can go in and directly address a memory. So once you decide what you want to do, you craft your statement or you go into the memory, we go into the psyche processes and we get direct feedback from the body. We utilize muscle testing and we go into various whole brain postures by muscle testing, which would be the best for the circumstance. So you go into the posture, the balance, and you come out and we retest and it is a super simple, easy, painless process that gets straight to the subconscious and your body gives you direct feedback for whether or not your that memory has been released on a subconscious level or whether or not that belief has really been integrated so it's a really quick easy painless process that you know targets the subconscious on on the deepest level so what are the modalities out there currently that are being encouraged and are perceived as effective and you kind of touched on these Mm -hmm earlier just the ones that you know people are tirelessly doing day to day that are not going to create permanent change yeah and I want to preface this by saying that these practices are so beautiful and helpful and you're they're not in vain if you've been doing these forever and they help us to the difference is and the my coach and who I who I learned a lot of psyche who was introduced to psyche through always says that there's a difference between feel better tools and get better tools and so what you were saying are kind of more the feel better things mm-hmm. like writing affirmations um reading the self-help books you know that becomes a whole rabbit hole I think for a lot of people Meditating, which is deeply, my meditation practice is profoundly important to me. But another thing that is, you know, feel helps you feel better. Breath work. Um, yeah. More so would you say those are talk, altering talk the therapy. physical state and not so much at a subconscious level? Yes. So I do think anything that's creating that sense of peace and safety can help. There are also great forms of nervous system care, which is very important and a wonderful way to complement the subconscious change. Because granted, we are getting into the nervous system on a deep level, and that is what will create the really long-lasting change. Because with Psych K, it's it's one and done. But with these practices, you have to keep showing up. You know, with with meditation, you have to keep getting on your mat to keep seeing those benefits, which... Again, is beautiful. That's not a bad thing, but 
to create the kind of change where you don't need to keep repeating it or doing it every single day and where it's really kind of it's not just scratching the surface but it's digging down deep and kind of excavating all the shit that's down there mm-hmm. so that you are not carrying that anymore is the sub the subconscious work yeah yeah i gal and i were talking just er- earlier this week and I do all of those practices, you know, the affirmations, the meditation, Mm -hmm. the journaling, listening to every podcast, every book. And while I've seen significant improvement Mm -hmm. overall, this like message came up for me this month with like, you really, you you gotta, you gotta get down to the bottom of, of what is sitting underneath. Because at the end of the day, if, you know, after being in these practices for the last four years, and you are just kind of constantly coming back to the same root, and there's no like there's no shift in the root. There's something else to look at, and so you really helped me illuminate. Okay, like it's an encourage. You know, it's it's time to really understand what's driving, what's driving your subconscious, and and what beliefs are you're you're living on. Yeah. Um, and it's scary like it's it's vulnerable and it's the stuff that you don't really want to look at and I think you know for me personally it's been so difficult to accept help from others and like receive guidance from others and I've always just almost like prided myself on on being able to do it by myself like I was like oh I've been to a therapist I've done all the things I've done the work I'm doing the work and there was just a a strong gut feeling for me that was like you you gotta lean on somebody multiple people multiple resources mm-hmm. and it is and we, we talked about this too it is necessary to be in conjunction with someone else in your healing process because you're simply just not going to receive the transformation that you deserve and that is possible by being on your own and and what comes to mind is just like we come into this world via two people and like we are born we are communal people we're we're born to to come together and to help one another and just our capacity to offer healing to one another is so vast and it's so expansive and I think if you can just surrender to that idea that you can create so much more change just by investing in yourself and getting getting help from someone else and I think that I think that help looks different for everybody mm-hmm. but I think something like psyche can just be applied to anyone and everyone because we're all operating from our subconscious absolutely I think you know we have we have blind spots and even if you've been doing you know I facilitate psyche and I understand the process mm. that it takes and how to get to the root of things. And I still see my coach who's a psyche facilitator because I'll come to her with something and she'll see it from a completely different perspective that yeah. I hadn't even thought of. And I think that that we think that we can, and we do, you know, we, we know ourselves the best. Absolutely. And I think it's important not to outsource our wisdom, but at the same time, I think that there is such value in having someone see us and our situation mm-hmm. and what we're navigating from a different perspective mm-hmm. yeah as you were saying I think that 
Psyche absolutely is, is applied to everybody. And I think that everybody can, it's something that everyone can really relate to because it's really, there's not a lot of like woo woo or fluff to it. It's very yeah. direct. Yeah, is what it is. Like it's very direct. It's simple. It's effective. And it creates really profound change. Yeah. And just to give you guys an idea of, of a belief that you're working with like when I was working with Gab it took maybe like five minutes per belief per belief to work on Mm -hmm. and one of my what I expressed to her is like you know I have a lot of resistance to believing that this is actually gonna create change like I was like no way like (laughs) I've been struggling we'll say we'll just use example like body image since I was 10 very young and I was like no way like this is not this is not gonna make any difference in in one evening let alone like five minutes you know um and we worked on a belief that healing and changing the subconscious beliefs can be easy and it can be quick and so that's just another example of another conditioned belief that this healing process when you're you know processing anything that it has to be hard and that it has to be lengthy Mm -hmm. and that there has to be so much effort behind it. And so working with you like really opened my eyes to just understanding that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we get really attached. And I think a lot of people who are on their spiritual path and quest and the path to self-betterment can really relate to this. But we do become attached to like the struggle, I think. And yeah. we, we become very identified and over-identified with bettering ourselves and that being this whole process. And I think that what is so beautiful about this process is how simple and quick it is. And a lot of people feel that way. A lot of people have resistance in the beginning of like, there's no way. Like you're telling me that this creates the most profound change on the most important level to be making change in your life and it does it this quick and easy and for me that also brought up very um similar beliefs and that I've worked with on that healing needs to be this process that you know processing trauma needs to be forever and that that life has to be hard like mm-hmm. that, that things have to be difficult and that it's a process. And something that, you know, was really profound for me to work with in that way was processing my, my dog had passed this summer, which, you know, something that's always really sad. Anyone yeah. that's been through that knows that that's just a bummer. Like yeah. it's just <laughs> so sad. So much more than a bummer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's losing a family member. Exactly. It's so hard. It's so hard. And I was really suffering for days. And finally my, um, coach was like why don't we work with a perception change why don't we go in and do a balance around this perception and we did and the next day I felt so much better Mm -hmm. and I realized the attachment that I had that to like the grieving process needs to be like so extensive yeah awful and like I need to suffer and I almost was uncomfortable with how much the stress and the grief removed from my system and granted of course I still was 
sad and I and I like longed for her and but I was able to look at it without all the heaviness I was able to see it you know more clearly and and step out of that state because grief is stress that's a lot of stress on our system and of course you know we're always going to have feelings in this life and it's so it's not to eliminate feeling but it's to process things quicker and Mm -hmm. it made such a difference and really illuminated the way that I was attached to what grief needed to be how I attached to struggle like making things more difficult than they need to be and you know the secondary gains that I think that we get from that and it was it was extremely illuminating what was the perception change for you do you remember I, specifically what you were working with yeah just the memory okay. just the just the her passing and was and the memory of you were you there when did you guys put her no, down or no. okay and with with perception change um and memory like perception change and focusing on a memory are the same thing and all you have to do is think think about it so it doesn't really need to be this very specific like it wasn't like I focused on just receiving the news but I just thought of her passing and that that elicited enough of an emotional response in me that that was just what I what I worked with was just the situation more so than a very specific memory and so what sort of what was the new memory looking like for you like that new perception was it um yeah how are you seeing that differently it just cleared the stress it, it is just a clearing. So okay. the thing is about focusing on the memories or the perceptions. It isn't about creating a new one. Mm-hmm. It's just about focusing on that memory or on that situation. Truly just in the balance because you're in a whole brain state. So all you're doing when you're in that balance is really just focusing on that memory or that situation. And you'll feel maybe distress start to increase as you go through as you're in the posture and then you'll kind of feel it start to dissipate and sometimes that feeling is really profound other times it's not and you just know that it's time to come out of the balance and I find that it's days later or weeks later maybe even an hour but it's later that you you realize you're like oh my god I haven't cried about that in days or oh my god I, I haven't even thought about that or now when I think about that I feel okay mm-hmm. and that's wow. really because the stress surrounding that situation or that memory is is no longer stored in your system yeah wow yeah so what would you say is the the fine line between allowing yourself to process like do you think that's a limiting belief in itself that you have to process things or do you think there's do you think it's circumstantial just based on what you're moving through? I think it's circumstantial. And I also think that, you know, the goal of this is not to not feel. Right. Like as human beings, we are here to experience the entire spectrum of emotions. Yeah. And a lot of times this, something like this could look like a significant improvement, but you're still, that situation is still on the forefront of your mind. And granted, the, the stress has been removed from the nervous system, but maybe there there is conscious processing to do. There's yeah. a conversation that needs to be had, or there's feeling your emotions that needs to be done. There's really just sitting with your feelings and what's coming up and 
knowing that that's okay and just feeling it out and letting that letting that be what it is so i think but i think we we complicate what processing needs to be sure i think that you know we all process differently but a tool like this just allows us to do so without all the added stress and grief and and struggle that we we surround situations and not not on purpose yeah you know we don't we don't do that on purpose of course but yeah i think i think there's there is a fine line but it's also there's no there's nothing negative that could come from doing this. You know, like it's not going to wipe away. You're not going to become this like emotionless, not right. feeling person. You're yeah. just going to be in more of a, a whole brain state around things, which means you're just going to be more in your body and not having stress surrounding something. Okay. Yeah. So how many sessions would you say is should be expected for someone like if they really want to make some lasting changes would you say it's a month of maybe four sessions Mm -hmm. or you know should it be consistent just kind of guidelines on commitment yeah here's the thing the any change that you do like any belief statement or perception change or memory that you work with makes a difference and Sometimes it's that you hit the right one and you notice such a difference immediately. But things are complex and issues in our lives are complex and they're multifaceted. And a lot of the times they don't always stem from one instance or one belief, but many. And many that we picked up over time, especially if it's messaging that we picked up in our home. You know, these are repeated messages or repeated memories that were we're constantly, we were constantly taking in. And that you still might be hearing. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think one session absolutely helps. One balance absolutely helps. But the way I look at it is you're kind of chipping away an, an ice block. And sometimes you get these huge hunks that, that come out and you've really cleared something huge and it's, it's massive. Other times it's like you chip some away. And it's just a little, you know, a little piece of the bigger picture. And anything, all of that is so helpful. I would say if you are really committed to seeing lasting change and it's something that you keep bumping up against, I think six weeks, like over a span of six weeks is how I prefer to work with my clients and to be able to have that support through that, to be able to really dig in deep and discuss and uncover what they're going through and what that could be linked to. I think that, you know, that is how I like to move through my coaching is with that kind of commitment. But that isn't to say that doing one session isn't isn't helpful, but I do sure. think it's something that it's it's doing, you know, it's doing the work, especially if it's again as I said something that it's an issue that you've been bumping into for maybe a lifetime or for years. It's, yeah. It takes a little bit of time to keep chipping away at that and around that. And you can absolutely see notable results in one session, in one balance. But I think that, you know, if you're seeing a therapist for something, you don't go once and expect to feel, expect to see a totally. massive change. It's, 
it's a process of committing to yourself and committing to the process that you're doing. So, yeah. yeah. You touched on depression and anxiety just being an epidemic. And it, it's so prevalent in our world. And something that I really wanted to commit to just for for the general community that suffers that suffers through that is is reaching someone in their darkest hour you know amidst just the most intense experience of of mental illness because I think that's one of the hardest places to reach somebody yeah and just from my own experience with with depression and anxiety they're really I mean it I fully had the belief that I was going to suffer from it my entire life and I had just taken that piece and put it as a part of my identity and kind of just like slapped it on my name tag of like I struggle with depression and I'm just going to learn how to cope for the rest of my life and it wasn't until I was listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza love him yeah he's incredible he's amazing he touches and a lot on the power of the subconscious. So that's, much. That's the foundation of all of his work. And he, it was a very specific episode with Lewis Howes. I'll have to link it because it, it was truly my, like, that was my turning point. And he talked about the subconscious and he talked about the power to create your own reality. And it was the first time that it clicked for me that I just thought to myself, I can make a change. Like, I don't have to live in the same thought pattern over and over and over again. But I think to get to that point, to recognize the power that you have when you're in that state of suffering, when you're in that state of victimhood, is very, very hard. Absolutely. And so what would be your advice to someone in that space? Like, what is, what is a belief that you perceive might be going on that needs to be changed? Just around the idea that what they're experiencing is a condition that they just have to, to live with. Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, I think if you are going through that, there's a lot of, a lot of beliefs and a lot of stress that's going on underneath the surface. But yeah. a belief like directed to that experience, I think like you said... Feeling like something's forever is going to perpetuate that experience and have you head dive so much deeper into that feeling and feel so stuck in it than the actual feeling. So I would say first thing, if, if it's like you're really in that, put your hands on your body, close your eyes and say, it's okay for me to feel sad. It's okay for me to feel anxious. It's identify the feeling and really tune into your body and feel that feeling and by doing that you you step into the position of the observer and you're observing that feeling and you're realizing you know when you I think it's the stories that we create around our feelings that cause the suffering mm -hmm. so deeply it's yeah. the stories we create around like this is forever fuck my life like this is awful and this is like what I'm destined to feel forever which is very you know when you're in a depressive or anxious state that translates to your you know the quality of your thoughts and that's going to create really fear-based thoughts but when you take the time and just let the emotion be there you 
you start to realize that you are creating so much stories around it. And when you, so many stories around it, when you take the time just to actually feel into that emotion, it's just another experience. And so I think, you know, starting with the stories surrounding what you're feeling before you, you know, start to identify like, all right, where could this even be coming from? Start to challenge the stories, even on a conscious level. You know, if you, if you're not ready to, pick up the phone, like, you know, dive right in and do a site K session, but just something really actionable and free that you can do right now is just really start to challenge the stories that you are surrounding your experience with. Can you let your experience be without attaching so many stories and meanings to it? And if that means, you know, something that I really like to do or have clients do is write out, do story versus facts journaling so you write down the story I'm creating like I will be depressed forever I've always been this way this is my destiny blah 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 and then you go into facts and you write down what is actually happening like without the story without the saga I'm creating what is actually happening I I feel depressed I'm experiencing depression and from there you can start to really separate the ideas that you have about it and then you can start to create a new story consciously you can write out a new story like I'm you know I'm going through this really really hard time and I know that there will be something positive that comes out of this I know that I will get through it and and reframe it and so that's just something really consciously I think that we can do to start to reframe those those beliefs and begin to tap into like step into that driver's seat and tap into that co-creative state even if it's just on a conscious level to start out with of like I am in charge and we are in charge and and doing that I think you know helps us to really feel that way to start to feel less of a victim to what we're going through that's beautiful advice yeah I think that will resonate with a lot of people it's, it's I found it's the most difficult space to transition out of but the moment that someone does when they realize their power and their potential and also the power that they had in creating that story in the first place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because it's a negative one doesn't mean it's not powerful absolutely you know like you have created a set of beliefs within yourself that have perpetuated this storyline and here you are living in that experience because of you yeah and i'm not dismissing circumstances i'm not dismissing past experiences that have maybe possibly led you to that moment but you're fucking powerful oh yeah to be constantly living in that story and just strengthening it over and over and over again it's like i like to look at it too as just like a simple belief of like I'm hungry in the morning, yeah. you know, for all my people who eat right away. Yeah. Like, you've created this idea, like, I am hungry in the morning and I'm going to have breakfast first thing. And it's, like, one of those routine things where it's, like, every single day. Yeah. You created that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you physically might be feeling hungry, like, you could alternative, alternatively be, like, I fast until mm-hmm. noon. And so then you fast until noon and that's just how you live your life. Like, it's, it's all these just reinforcement after reinforcement and so I think even giving yourself in those like really difficult times and experiences noticing the power and impact you had and then noticing that you know I can take that power I can take 
that impact and, and move it in a different direction and Absolutely. create a really beautiful story. Absolutely. And I mean, it's hard. I mean, I would even say like those negative stories have more, more power. We have a negative bias, you know, like yeah. our, our egos are out there trying to, with good intention, trying to protect us, but really attaching to the negative and the negative stories especially if you're used to that and that's what's programmed in your subconscious is a lot of that that's what's going to feel safe and familiar so it really is yeah that con that constant effort if it's just on a, like if that's what your subconscious programming is to choose choose again and to yeah. reinforce something new and, and reinforce new behavior and that that takes on if you're doing that on a conscious level it takes time and commitment but that exactly that that totally can be done if you choose it you know like you can wear you know the quote like where attention goes energy flows whatever you're adding fuel to the fire to will continue to blaze on so if you yeah. continue to feed those stories that you don't want with your attention and your behaviors that's what's going to continue to rise and be and be relevant in your life but if you create a new one and you slowly but surely start to plant those seeds and water that garden little by little it it creates something new for yourself and that's where you know the subconscious support can make that a hell of a lot easier yeah and it's important to recognize that you know while we're while you're working energetically and subconsciously the physical isn't always going to match that energy right away. Like you, you have to give it time. Yeah. And there's so much to energy. And so when you're working on creating change and you're not physically seeing a result on the outside, like give it time, it's going to come and it's, it's going to come to you and it could be fast and it could take a little bit of time, but understanding that it, it really is a physical, emotional, spiritual just synchronicity that will come together absolutely i think yeah our bodies are the way my mentor worded it is is we're mass you know like our bodies are mass and yeah. our subconscious mind it, it integrates the change integrates there right away but our nervous system takes time to catch up to the subconscious mind and if our nervous system and our bodies have been in a state of fight or flight since we've been little you know that that takes time to release and that's yeah. where those conscious practices that's where those feel good feel better practices like a regular meditation practice and I incorporate Ayurveda with as a huge part of the work that I do with people as this nervous system care with herbs really like nervine herbs and herbs that really calm the nervous system creating a really nourishing routine creating regularity creating safety in the body a nourishing movement practice that can be yoga, walking, working out, whatever feels good, meditation, all those things, affirmations, if that makes you feel better, all of those things that are helping us relax into the body and, yeah. and calm the mind in the moment and the things that we do need to keep showing up for really complement calming the nervous system, which, and can help do that faster. Because again, it's as you said, it, it takes time to catch up. If we've been in a hypervigilant state for years, that's not going to just completely release overnight. And it's sure. it's a process that we need to have, have grace and patience with. Absolutely. I know we could probably do a whole separate episode on Ayurveda, 
but can you just touch on any Ayurvedic practices that support healing the subconscious? Mm, yeah, so none of them, they can, su- yeah, you said support. None yeah. of them are really getting there, but all of the nervous system practice are, practices are so beautiful. And my, hey, what are your go-tos? My favorite takeaways, <laughs> meditation, they're, they're the simple ones. It's, you know, it's not me waking up and making dal and doing an hour abhyanga and oil pulling every day it's not the really complex ones that i think have made the most difference to me it's meditation it's breath it's movement it's herbs it's lifestyle changes as in you know committing to yourself committing to a small routine that makes you feel really good routine is huge in ayurveda just the the discipline of a routine yeah and just having nourishing practices so all of these elements i'm listing can can be that routine but breath meditation movement herbs and diet changes are my favorite and the best ways and i think yeah for anyone the most accessible ways to really support this change to support your nervous system and i mean we need it's mind body spirit like we can't we can't only target one and I think it's so important that we we take care of ourselves holistically and that we really do take care of this physical body and I really do do believe when there's no stress stored in the subconscious we can digest beautifully and we could probably digest anything does that mean that we should be eating shit all the time like no absolutely not I think it's so important to nourish ourselves um and nourish, yeah, nourish this body and, and support ourselves in that way. Will you just give us uh, two of your favorite herbs? Mm. and Or like one, whatever you want. And then a couple of foods that also support the nervous system. Yeah. As far as herbs go, I could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Brahmi. If you're just looking for overall, you know, calming the nervous system, I might do more than two. I might just have to go off. <laughs> um, Brahmi. Okay. Ashwagandha. Uh, Ashwagandha. Yeah. She is. She's definitely. She's committed. Yeah. She's out there now. And I will <laughs> note to be careful about where you're sourcing your ashwagandha and be intentional about that. And don't just, you know, buy any like random gummies with ashwagandha. And not that per se these things are very dangerous, but they're not potent and not all the times well sourced. And yeah. One of my favorite blends for um, calming my nervous system and just overall mental and emotional health is Healthy Mind from Athreya Herbs. It was actually my, that's my professor, former professor when I was studying Ayurveda, his and his wife's company. And it oh, is amazing. potent, incredible herbs. And that has ashwagandha and brahmi in it. Are they online or retail? Yeah, okay. yeah I'll online. Link it. Yeah, we'll, we'll link that. And then Lemon Balm is really beautiful. Vimergy mm. has, I can send you these links. Vimergy is a wonderful lemon balm tincture. Aids in sleep. It's a nervine. Extremely calming. And for my ladies, I would say Shatavari. I find that it is, you know, Aiding our hormones is so important in having a calm nervous system and a healthy mental and emotional state. And it also, it's just, it's very feminine. It's very invigorating. It really, it really gets those like creative juices flowing. And I, I love, I love taking that on a, on a day-to-day basis. Amazing. Yeah. 
And then a couple foods that will mm. aid in, in bringing us back to balance. Yeah, so typically if we're experiencing, if it's anxiety per se, um, that is more of a vata imbalance. So that's a prominence of air and ether energy in the system. And that, yeah, that's a vata imbalance considered to be. And so in that case, you would want a lot of really warm, grounding, well-spiced, fatty foods. So in the morning, that could look like a really well-spiced oatmeal with turmeric and ginger and cinnamon and maybe a little bit of ghee or coconut oil. Think things that are a little bit heavier because sure. they have those grounding properties. Mm. I would say to any and all doshas, get in your leafy greens for just so many reasons. And yeah, for vata, that could look like soups with root veggies, with sweet potato and carrots, with those leafy greens, with with rice. Um, meat for, for vata is really good because that's a little bit denser in quality. So sure. I think that if anxiety is, is what it is and you're feeling like your nervous system spiked and in that hypervigilant state, those are all really amazing things. Golden milks, turmeric is wonderful for that could go on and on oh my gosh you're, you're a novel <laughs> I know I feel like that that can open a whole nother episode yeah totally <laughs> but no that's super helpful I feel like any anything I've listened to like when I'm experiencing anxiety or um like you know you just do a quick google and you're like what can I do how can I help and so I feel like the answers you provide yeah. are just like really concrete and just a good like a good starting point you know totally we all just need some guidance absolutely and, um yeah I'm so grateful you're able to provide that and just everything you hold innately your wisdom and just commitment to this path and your path and sharing it is just it's beautiful and I'm I'm so grateful to know you Thank you so much. I feel the same way, and I'm so happy we got to have this conversation. So good. We could honestly do a four-hour episode. <laughs> it would just be simply inappropriate. <laughs> I don't know. We will have to take a poll. True. <laughs> Where can people find you? You can find me um, on Instagram, just okay. at Gabby Marchese, G-A-B-B-Y, M-A-R-C-H-E-S-E. Okay. And you can also find me at my website, which is gabriellemarchese.com. But I think that Instagram would be the easier route. Okay. Everything linked there. You can you can message me. And are you there. taking new clients right now? Or are yes. you virtual in person? Give us yes. The I am taking new clients, everything virtually. If you are in the San Diego area, I'm open to in person if it works out and aligns. But... Everything virtually, Psyche works just as effectively distant, and that is such a wonderful way to get to work with people. So no matter where you are, you can you can have a session and, and work with me. Amazing. Well, all of her information will be in the bio. Thank you, Gab. So much yes, love. Thank you. <laughs> so much love to you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you feel elevated in every way, mind, body, spirit. That was the beautiful Gabby Marchese. You can find us both on Instagram at Gabby Marchese and at Ellie Styles and at Elevate with Ellie Styles. Give us a follow. Send me any questions, comments you have. 
Uh, I would love to chat with you and thank you for being here. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I will see you next time.